Good evening. Today I'm talking to Ross Greenwood. Hello. Finally, we get to speak. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Do you want to hope it lasts a while. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Ross. I'm 47. I'm married. Uh, you might be here, my children, at various points. Um, I've done those jobs, worked at Tesco's and McDonald's when I was younger, been a financial advisor, stockbroker. Um, I eventually did a lot of call centre work, management, that sort of thing. Uh, worked for various bookmakers and then randomly worked as a prison office for four years, just do something interesting. And then uh, had an idea for a book that I started ages ago and then obviously working in the prison gave me lots of ideas. So uh, that, I left the prison service in about 2015 and just kind of been writing since, a bit of... Uh, house husband dream, which I'm uh, not very good at, but uh, but the books are kind of getting going a bit now, so uh, that's kind of helping. But it's uh, hard to juggle them both. Uh, did you always want to be a writer? No, not at all. Um, I, I've always been a massive reader, even since well, since I was like, since I learned to read. Um, I like, well, I always liked eating sweets and reading. Just, uh, it's kind of continued, so it's not been great for my weight, uh, but reading and doing something else at the same time has been good. And uh, and I guess uh, something just started bubbling away. I had an idea for a story about four lads growing up in Peterborough, uh, but I couldn't think of anything, you know, an edge to it or anything like that. So I, I wrote 50 pages and just slung it in a drawer. And then uh, after I worked in the prison, I was like, oh, I can make them, uh, you know, varying forms of criminals. And I knew that I was going to leave the prison six months before I left. And... Um, so for those last six months, I was working in resettlement, trying to rehouse people. I was opening bank accounts from when they left. And uh, I used to grill them about, you know, their motivations, their understanding, their reasons why they why they were criminals. You know, and uh, unfortunately, there wasn't loads of really good stuff. Uh, a lot of it was just silly crap, uh, a lot of drunkenness, basically. <laughs> but there was a few good things and there was a few recurring themes, which I guess a lot of people know about, um, you know, growing up and... Uh, lack of parents, and, you know, or, or poor parents, that sort of thing. So uh, a lot of these problems started when they were very young. So uh, I guess that's going to be kind of in a recurring theme in my book is about villain and uh, victim and villain. You know, some of people are, have had such a bad childhood that they kind of become almost programmed. And then it's hard to get out of that cycle, especially if you're still 19, say. Um, and your most recent book is Prisoner, isn't it, which is... Um, fiction, isn't it? But based on your experiences, yeah. Basically, when I started, I was um, uh, because I'm a fairly large individual um, and I'm older and, and fairly mature. Uh, they just stuck me in the male side. So, Peterborough Prison's got two sides. It's got nearly a thousand men on one side and about three hundred women on the other side. So, obviously, they're kept separate. Um, and generally, you work one side because even though you think we're the same both sides are very different and um so i was generally with all the guys um and you kind of get used to it um things like grudges they will tend to blow up quite quickly and uh it's kind of smelly and uh, <laughs> but you know it was hard, a really hard job generally because you were short staffed a lot of the time um but then after two years i said to him look you know my parent my kids are young um i don't want to work weekends anymore which um they didn't want to do obviously and then i said look what i'll do is i'll I'll do three 12 hour shifts during the week. Um, and when I come in, you can put me wherever you like. So you don't have to put me on a wing. So if anyone rings in sick, wherever that be, 
you know, I'll go and do it. And they're like, oh, fab. So uh, I then went all over the prison. So I was in, you know, in the block, rolling around with people. I was in healthcare with uh, people who have some Germany mental health issues as opposed to physical issues. Uh, but yeah, I get the odd one who was dying in there. And um, and then I was on the female side with the female uh, female inmates, uh, some of the YOs, like young offenders. And the difference between two sides was absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, and to start with, I was like, wow, it's you know, as Dalton in the book does, he's like, it's so easy. And you get the same money and there's only 30, well, usually around 30 female prisoners on a wing. And there's like 80 on the male side. And there's often only two officers. And, um, but then as you carry on getting used to some of the women, there's a lot of them have been through, um, you know, some fairly horrific experiences. Some of it when they're young, some of it self-inflicted. Um, but the line is really blurred there. And, um, uh, and also the women don't tend to, you know, some of the men are idiots and uh, they're aggressive, they're violent. And, um, you know, and they've, you don't accidentally go and rob a bank. You don't accidentally import cocaine um, and all the rest of it. So they are criminals and they have chose that lifestyle. Whereas quite a lot of the women were, you know, the, the ones who were doing some serious time had often killed their partners. But, uh, you know, they say that, um, you know, men kill their wives uh, after abusing them for years, whereas the women kill their husbands after they've been abused for years. So, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to be going around killing people, but it's is, it is a different concept. And, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So you know, I used to feel a little bit more sympathy. So that was the motivation, just a guy going from one side to the other. And um, so I wanted to make it fairly informative. Uh, but also hopefully quite exciting as well. Which you do. It's brilliant. I loved it. It was uh, one of those I can put down, but I need to know what happens. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, um, the Barton books were uh, trying to keep it with small, small chapters and uh, keep it pacey. So, yeah, you see, look, you think, oh, but it's like one o'clock, and you see how many pages are in the next chapter. Kind of sneaking, you're like, oh, it's only two, and then before you know, <laughs> it's like four o'clock in the morning. So that was how I planned to do it. <laughs> this is why I start reading in the morning. I never start reading at night. Oh, is that the connection going again? Yeah, <laughs> it's a dodgy. Um, what made you finally take the plunge and decide to write about your experiences? Um, I think part of it was the, uh, I had the book there and, um, well, we were just talking about uh, one of my friends had a bad diagnosis and someone else back then had, um, a friend of a friend had a stroke, uh, same age as me. And, um, and then someone else I knew passed. I mean, they were quite old. Um, but I was just like, you know, it felt like, um, if you want to do it, you really wanted to do it. And, and uh, I was chatting to some guy at work and he just said, um, I said, oh, I've written 50 pages of a book. And he was like, oh, I wrote about 20 of a science fiction novel. So I actually went home. I looked at it for five years. Um, I got it out and I read it. And I was like, oh, that's not too bad, actually. I mean, it was a little bit crap, but it wasn't too bad. And um, so I thought, I sat down one, it was a Sunday afternoon. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to finish it. And then I wrote about another 10 pages. And then when I woke up the next morning, I was like, yeah, I am going to finish it. And I'm like, I don't care if it's crap or the rest of it. And then that was it. I finished the book. Um, 
had some reasonably good feedback. Um, the first person I submitted it to was um, Andrew Lowney, literary agent. And um, he got back within about a week and said, you know, I really like the 15, whatever it is, pages I sent him. Could I send him a rest? And I'd read all this stuff about these people struggling to get published. And I was like, oh, my God, what's we're going about? It's easy. And um, or maybe I'm just great. So anyway, I, I was drunk for a week. And um, a week later, I got an email from him saying thanks, but no thanks. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so and then the rest, the next 25 all blew me out. Um, so then I just self-published it. Um, I ended up do, uh, writing a second book uh, about another aspect of prison life, which is The Boy Inside. Um, I had a bit more interest with that, a few offers, mostly small publishers. I ended up going with Bloodhound Books, um, kind of did okay, didn't do too much. Um, how I met Malcolm and so the other guys on there. Um, and then I was a little bit stubborn about the third, they republished Lazy Blood, and I did the third book, and they were like, want to make big changes, and I didn't want to make big changes. So I self-published that. Uh, that ended up in the top 100 for about a month um, after a book bug. So, so it did quite well. And then I did a couple more, which kind of did okay. But uh, I'd had this idea about a, a snow killer, about a slightly cheesy tagline, which was fear the north wind because no one you hear you scream. So it was like a takeoff of aliens sort of thing. But I just had an idea for a, for a twist with it uh, that I thought would be really good. And I was trying to think of how, what sort of setting thing. And I thought, you know, de detective novel would work. Um, and then I was like, but I, you know, I read detective novels, but I find some of them a bit samey. You know, it's a bit cliche about the, the alcoholic detective or these really sad backstories and things like that. Um, so I thought I'd try and work some, write something different. And um, so I just made Barton like a, well, a little bit like me. <laughs> um, I based him on a senior officer I used to work with in a prison who was you know, bigger than me, he had real presence. And then I injected some of my humour into him. And um, and that was it. And that was kind of like how Barton was born. And then I signed with Boldwood Books. Um, I got an agent this time. Um, you know, did some of the rounds, some of the bigger publishers. Um, some of them were interested. And then Boldwood with his startup. Uh, from Amanda, work, Amanda used to run well numerous big publishers, and um, so she's gone alone and taken some of this talent with her. And um, so I thought I'd give it a go, and you know it's done quite well. I've just literally been writing Barton Five, just started doing that, so the fourth one's out in November. That's uh, I've got to hand that in in a couple of weeks, uh, but it's basically done. Uh, and then Barton Five's out next July or something. So. Um, and then that's me out of contract. So uh, I might do another prison one. It depends how, I guess, how this prison one goes. Sort of thing. <laughs> um, and when is that out? Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I really forgot about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, uh, a lot of reviews have been good, though. The advanced reviews. Um, I think a lot of people have found it, uh, reading it, it's, it's been real. So uh, they keep after reminding themselves... Because obviously I've worked in the prison for four years. It was quite easy to write the book. It only took me six weeks and it usually takes me twice as long as that. But because I didn't have to imagine any settings, all I had to do was describe them. And even some of the people, all I just would do imagine some of the prisoners. Um, mostly I melded a couple together sort of thing. But um, uh, even the staff, I just like took a couple of those. And, uh, and uh, so yes, it was a, I, I enjoyed doing them. <laughs> Sounds like you did. You got the bug now. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a strangely addictive process. But the um, if anyone was thinking about writing a book, I, you know, you almost feel like warning them that it's a strangely emotional experience doing it. You uh, you go through a lot of ups and downs, a lot of doubting yourself. Uh, you feel quite good about it one minute and then think, what the hell am I doing? I always get the 20,000 word wobble where I get to 20,000 words and think, what the hell am I doing? No one wants to read this. And um, and then I, you push through sort of thing. But the more you write, the more you know when you get to that. Now I'm like, okay, well, I'll just keep going. And then but I don't particularly like editing. Uh, some people love it. Um, I don't mind the first edit because that's like you kind of repairing the damage you've done sort of thing. <laughs> But after about five times, you know, I just don't want to, I don't even want to think about the book anymore. Never mind reading. <laughs> um, what authors um, have inspired you? Uh, first one was Orson Scott Card, who wrote Ender's Game. Um, if you've read it uh, or seen the film <laughs> with Harrison Ford, uh, there's like a killer twist at the end. And I remember reading it and going, Oh my God, it was the first time because I, I was probably quite young. I used to read, I used to like science fiction and um, I used to read a lot. So probably about 12, 13. It was the first time there was that, oh my God, I just did not see that coming. And um, so I still kind of think about that. But it's, that's why when I start writing a book now, I try and think of the twist at the end. Um, you've got to have at least one twist, I think, to make people go. But but often, often the best twists come as you're writing the book. Um that's, I think, the hardest part for any author is when you write the book, you've got to hold the whole thing in your head. So you kind of go to know where you come from. You've got to know the characters. You've got to understand them. And you've got to wait until the... Uh, and you've got to know what's going to happen at the end. And um, if you uh, if you lose sight of that, <laughs> if you're dark there, <laughs> you're the big boy, isn't he? <laughs> Diddy. <laughs> and uh, if, you, uh, if you lose sight of that, it makes it quite tricky. Um, if you were a character in your series, would you get on with your main characters? Uh, yeah, well, Barton, yeah. But the, but the, team, the police team are all um, generally very professional. Um, I think that's another thing I try to make it out. A lot of the books, well, not a lot, some of the detective books out there, you've got people doing ridiculous stuff and very non-professional stuff. And perhaps you might have got away with that in 1975, but I don't know whether you get away with it now. Um, I have a, uh, I think Pace, I think it was in the mid eighties came in and that changed professionalism. You know, the, you just can't get away with stuff. There's cameras everywhere. Everything's digital now. Um, you know, if you stink in a drink, you're going to get a hand on your shoulder and all the rest of it. But you know, that's, some of those things are the most interesting aspects of it. So uh, it makes it writing it a bit tricky. You've got to, you know, you've got to, if you've got an alcoholic detective, for example, you've got to make it so it's not as obvious. Otherwise it's implausible. And then people aren't going to bother reading it anymore. Um, you know, there's some good authors out there at the moment that, uh, especially with some of the detective novels, like Simon McLeave's doing well, uh, JD Kirk, um, knocking it out and obviously, People like M.W. Craven as well. L.J. Ross has doing it for years, um, but there's—I mean, there's thousands of those book out, books out there. People, a lot of people are trying to do it. Um, but it's not as easy as you think. And then, obviously, once you've done the first one, which you tend to be like rah rah, it's quite hard to maintain it as well. And uh, I can't write as fast as some of those guys either. The children, <laughs> I can bang out maybe. I can do two a year. That's it, and that's a bit of effort. Um, obviously, I'd like to do more like. Uh, 
Mel Comley gets, gets through about eight a year, I think. <laughs> yeah, He's worked very hard. <laughs> yeah, but Mike Craven only does one a year, so you're better than him. <laughs> Yes, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know what he's doing with the rest of his time, is he? <laughs> I know, probably spending all his money <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, that, that um, I guess the main character in his is there's nothing too dodgy about him. He's a little bit out of the, uh, off the scale, but nothing too bad. But it's the comparison with him and Tilly that makes that book, isn't it? So, uh, you know, she's a really a character you can kind of get on with. And um, so... You know, and he doesn't actually do anything massively dramatic with her. It's just just writes her very well, and she's very plausible despite you know her differences, so we say. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it makes it yeah, it makes it so it makes it you're very invested in the character. So uh, so once you finish one, you'd be like, oh yeah, I want to carry on, find out what's happening. So I, mean, I didn't I hadn't read that before um, I wrote mine. Um, but yeah, that sort of thing was something I tried to create, and then. I, you know, I made a, made a bit of a mare with the first one and I wrote wrote, wrote the book and um, so I didn't write anyone's date of birth down, any character things or anything like that. So when I came to write the second one, I was like, so I kind of half blagged it. And then when the one of the ed- editors got hold of it, you know, I've messed up people's dates. People were getting younger one minute and older the rest. And it was an absolute nightmare to edit. So, um, yeah, so if you're, if you're watching, make sure you have a little book with everyone's characteristics, relationships and all that sort of thing. Otherwise, it will come back and get uh, what's the most interesting thing you found out when researching your books? Um, it's quite a thing. So I, you know, I read quite a few detective books. If you, if you, the big thing is trying to make a book plausible. If people are reading it and then you know you've got something wrong, you level your research. I mean, there's there's quite a few crazy people out there who are, who are looking or reading books and are looking for reasons to give it um, to give it a bad review almost, I guess. But um, so you've got to be quite careful with your search. And uh, I had a character in one of my books that got buried uh, in a compost heap. And uh, and I had to do loads of research about the stages of death and how long it was going to take and you know anaerobic decomposition compared to aerobic. So I was like getting snakes going through it to, <laughs> to put some air into the compost heap and all the rest of it. And, uh, and eventually I worked out that, you know, uh, that my timelines fit if I kind of had it disturbed and all that sort of thing. But you're still going to get a review where someone goes and says, oh, that's ridiculous. And I get loads. So I have a I have a very anal retired detective who reads my books. And he always says at the end after the first draft, yeah, I really enjoyed that if you'd set it in 1973. <laughs> so he's like, so here's what you can't do. So we have to go back and, you know, uh, the high-speed chases, uh, no, nobody does those anymore. Massively dangerous. If the police, the police will pull away. So if someone's pulled onto a motorway, you don't chase them because, um, or if someone's there with a gun, you don't like go rushing in and chasing them, get everyone involved and stuff. You just stop and back away and call, you know, the police with a bigger gun, and uh, and they come and sort it out, sort of thing. So, um, and then obviously the police have got to play by the rules because if it gets gets to the in front of a judge and they've done something wrong the judge will throw the case out and you know people have been told to come off and stop working on a case and then go sneaking around the back door and, and investigating it anyway you know they potentially could blow up blow the case and um so i basically have to go back and i changed them all and uh you know it's a bit annoying it takes out some quite a bit of the excitement sometimes but it, that's what makes it plausible. But I still get loads of reviews going, oh, my God, Bartman is useless. <laughs> what is he doing sort of thing? And, uh, 
you know, but that's, you can't please everyone. If, if some, again, if you put like the personal relations stuff in, people will read the book and say, yeah, I really enjoyed the detective book, but you know, all this, uh, like a couple of sergeants in mine have like skirted around each other dating wise. And the people are like, you know, what the hell is he going on about that for? I want to go, I want to just go back to the, you know, the detecting, but that's it. So it's very hard. Uh, that's where you see someone with a, uh, with a 4.6 for a crime book um, or something like that. It's very impressive. Um, it just shows that they're, uh, you know, they're ticking a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Do you still get much chance to read? Yeah, I'm a, a big reading junkie anyway. I've just been, um, is it Fair Warning? Um, the last Michael Connolly thing. Um, so I've just started that. Uh, I don't think his latest stuff is quite as good as early stuff, but um, but he's such like a natural storyteller. It's almost like he's like what <laughs> writing the book while he's watching TV sort of thing. It's just, it just comes up very easy to him, like Stephen King. Um, but yeah, but I read loads of stuff. I... I like a big variety, so uh, you know it's not very sexy, but I like to go and look at the uh, the, the Kindle Top 100. You know, 99p. You can often get cracking books. Um, still waiting for that Shuggy Bane to come down in price, and I'll be having a go at that. Um, I, Amazon Prime reads. I always give those a go. Um, but I like. I don't particularly like the Kindle for for, for reading experience, apart from in bed at night sort of thing. But um, for being able to try books for like 99p or two quid, it's uh, it's great. And then you can just, you know, give it a go. If you don't like it, you can bin it. Um, have any books made you cry? Uh, yeah, weirdly, since I, I don't know, I've just become old and soft. Um, but uh, I have basically, uh, maybe it's since having children. I don't like books now with where kids go missing or kids get abused. Uh, and that's, purely been ever since I've had my own children you know I'm not sure I want to want that in my head sort of thing um but yeah there's I mean, there's loads of books the uh I mean that's good writing the books aren't a lot of those books aren't at the top of the kindle rankings for nothing um how many books come out now a year hundred uh five hundred thousand is it so like half a million new books published every year if you're getting into that top 20 top 50 space there's usually something about it um Actually, I read Louise Beach's um, This Is How We Are Human. It was an uh, advanced copy from the book club reviewers thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that made me cry. That's my boy now saying he's hungry. Go and help yourself. <laughs> uh, always hungry. So we're about, well, we had 10 minutes, so I'll be back in another 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, Louise Beach's was, uh, was, you know, very brave for her to... Uh, to take on that topic so uh, kudos to her <laughs> and obviously books like the tattooist of auschwitz um weirdly lucy foley's books i've been reading a bit of as well the uh is it the uh the hunting party and the guest list was it the other one and um you know you're struggling to find any, a nice character in in either of the books uh, uh, but they're very readable and uh you know so that's what you want, isn't it? You want a book that you put down and then you, you want to be looking forward to putting it back up again. So, you know, I try and do that with your books. You know, it's hit and miss when you do it all the time. <laughs> um, apart from your family and working and writing, what do you like to do? Um, quite into horse racing. Um, like I prefer jump racing, uh, Grand National. I went skydiving once. 
uh, in Australia, 15,000 feet. Uh, but I got more of a buzz out of the 2002 Grand National when I got home, even though my horse came second uh, than that. So uh, we've got hunting and races down the road, do a bit of that. Um, I quite like gambling generally. Um, and uh, you know, I'm trying to think, well, we spend a lot of time with the kids. The other one's hungry now. But help yourself, Baba. Um, and you know, I don't have a lot of time. I've um, uh, my I've got I am the decent sandwich generation. So my parents are, are around eighty now and wobbling a bit, and the kids are ten and seven, so they're quite unindependent. We've just um, we've had a we've got dog a dog as well, massive Labrador, um, who's supposed to be a dog that would fit in the footwell, but he's about thirty eight kilograms, and. Uh, we used to have two Bernese mountain dogs. So uh, one of those was like nearly 60 kilograms, which is pretty big. Uh, but uh, with the money I made from the snow killer, which did really well, uh, we used to have a ropey, uh, very ropey garage conversion down the bottom. So we've now had that done out into a, a nice writing thing. Um, and it, but my wife's now put a bed in one of the rooms down there and uh, she's like, oh, we could Airbnb it. So, uh, so as you can see, I'm actually on the kitchen table again, despite the fact it's finished now. <laughs> you've been, uh, you've not even allowed your own space. It's disgraceful. <laughs> no, I mean, look, like, so my office is behind me. I'm not even allowed in there. So my boy's <laughs> been in there playing Roblox and uh, he's gone from six months to not playing anything like that. Um, and he's just now totally addicted to it. it the speed which he's worked out how to use everything now is, is you know quite scary but uh if he's doing that and glued to that that means i can write <laughs> so uh so <laughs> you know um, uh, the daughter's the same she's um we got her a laptop for christmas so she's had a little bit invited like amazon kindle we were trying to resist with the mobile phones until they're at senior school but you know she just sits and watches youtube continuously and then um, but, you know, if someone had said to me when I was 10, here's YouTube, a glimpse into the entire world. I mean, I want to watch SpongeBob SquarePants either. So. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> or play with dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, those are the days, though. <laughs> yeah, it's all changed. I mean, I used to, I, remember, I was at senior school. I, was still, I think I was still playing with soldiers when I first started. Um I think that offset stopped very quickly, but uh, but yeah, it's um, certainly different times. Um, so, are you do you say you're working on something at the moment, and then do you know what you're doing next? Uh, yeah, I'm just doing Barton. Uh, started Barton Five. I've like kind of planning it out. Um, I've got to hand that in around about Christmas, so. Um, perhaps slightly ahead of the game, which is nice. I don't really like um, one of the other authors at Bowl was just signed a 12 book deal, which, um, which like, she's over the moon with, because it's such a, you know, massive investment in her as an author going forward. Uh, that's Jessica, just in case she ever sees that. Congratulations. Uh, but I'm not even sure I'd like that. So, uh, you know, my, I've, I've got an agent um, and, you know, and he's like, you know, four books is quite a long time. So it takes me two months to two years, uh, six months to write one so if I signed for a four book deal that'd be two years and I can I can kind of feel the weight of it hanging over me so uh but obviously they want to try and pin you down so you, you don't do anything else but 
I've had an idea for uh, for a book that's been bobbling around in my head for years, uh, but I couldn't think of. I was trying to think of another character to go as like a foil to the character I had in my head, and uh, I couldn't quite get my head around it. So I kept the Barton thing was went better than I expected, and um, so I was. So I kept putting it to the back burner, but uh, oddly enough, the builder, we had like one builder who did like everything and basically he was here for like four months. So he did it, it like a one man band, but it'd been like having a 16 stone toddler in the house. And he's so like non PC and all the rest of it. So I'm going to use part of him for it and uh, there'll be a bit of prison in it. So uh, uh, quite like that mentality of people struggling, but um you know, I've kind of got the twist already sorted, and uh, and again, I think I could write it quite quickly, which which is uh, which is nice. All I need to do is, uh, well, the last last uh, we did one of them. I actually booked myself into the uh, Holiday Inn for a week, uh, mm-hmm. and just wrote in there, and uh, that was like a prison cell. But it was, uh, I think I could definitely cope in prison as long as I had like. <laughs> Uh, but, well, I don't think I have any more questions for you, um, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, the... Uh, oh, it's nice. It, it crackled a bit at the end, didn't it? Yeah, but it's all right. We got there. We got there. Okay, I see your... Uh, I didn't realise your uh, thing. You got quite so many members there. I saw it yesterday. And uh, so the key to it is... Now, are we? <laughs> um, the 